1: Notre Dame football coverage continues now.
0: Turns gives to Price up the middle, easily into the end zone.
1: Touchdown to Darian Price. Jeremiah Love gets the touch, around tackle down the sideline, makes a man miss at the ten, and he walks his way into the end zone for a touchdown. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Complete to paint, five into the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Jadarian Price, inside the 5, into the end zone, excellent run, breaking tackles, 10-yard touchdown run for Jadarian Price. From Sports Radio, 960 AM, WSPT. Payne takes the snap, runs up the middle, met with resistance, but
0: gets in, touchdown Zebron Payne, inside the 5, and into the end zone, well done Jeremiah Lowe.
1: It is 27 minutes in front of 6 o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett, joined by the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. Tyler Horka also covers the Notre Dame women's basketball team, and I want to ask him about the massive road victory for Notre Dame over UConn after really stumbling at home just a couple of days prior against Syracuse, a tremendous bounce-back victory for Neil Ivey's team. But we're going to start things off, Tyler, by discussing some football with you. And for those subscribers at BlueAndGold.com, they know you have started your series reviewing every single Riley Leonard start when he was the quarterback at Duke University. You're offering some great stories and watching Riley develop through all of these starts. So I guess let me begin by asking you, is there something in the early portion of his career as the starting quarterback at Duke that has caught your attention that could be very important for his career at the University of Notre Dame?
2: Yeah, I'll definitely start it with a little disclaimer and saying that I believe right now, and I want to give credit to my colleague, Jack Sobel, as well, who's kind of been tag-teaming this with me and helping me. Last year, I just did all of Sam Hartman's 2022 starts, I guess that would have been the, the season before he came to Notre Dame. So that was just like 12 or 13 games. And this year, it's 21 games that Riley Leonard started at Duke. So we split that kind of 11 and 10. Uh, So it's a good chunk of of workload for both of us. And I think we've kind of been noticing the same things, uh, at least early in his career. Uh, Again, we're about halfway through the 2022 season right now, so we haven't even gotten to 2023 film. But um, a lot of people would say that was Riley Leonard's best year, 2022. It's the year that uh, he accounted for all of those yards and all of those touchdowns, stayed healthy the whole way through. And I've kind of seen some concerning things. I'll start with those. Uh, He's got some happy feet and it leads to some errant passes. So I think the knock on him when you ask NFL draft analysts, because that's his ultimate goal and with his size and his skill set, he could get there, Um, you know, as soon as after this one year at Notre Dame go off to the NFL draft uh, a year from now, his happy feet leads to some accuracy issues. And and those are the things that those scouts will tell you that uh, he's got a real problem with throwing the ball consistently where he wants to throw it. And then coupled with that, Sometimes I've seen him just not throw the ball where it needs to be thrown. I've seen some wide open receivers, and that's kind of PTSD in the minds of Notre Dame fans because we just went through a season here in South Bend where Sam Hartman probably didn't throw the ball where he needed to at times. And obviously, the wide receivers also weren't getting open at times. It was just a mess all around on that front. But you want to get a quarterback in the saddle who knows where he's going with the ball, can throw it accurately, precisely. It's the decision making. I mean, I go back to what Marcus Freeman says all all the time. Even Tommy Reese, when he was the offensive coordinator for this program uh, for about a handful of years before he went off to Alabama, he always said decision-making. And and I'll even bring up the late, great Mike Leach. Uh, One of the first things that we asked him when I was a beat writer at Mississippi State, what are you looking for in a quarterback? Because, yeah, I'm talking about Mississippi State. This is a program that has had Dak Prescott, and obviously he's a really good quarterback, has done some really good things with the Dallas Cowboys even – but outside of that, it's, it's not a program that's known for quarterback play. So we asked Mike Leach, what are you looking for in a quarterback? And one of the first things that he said, probably the first thing that he said, was decision making. So as we continue this Riley Leonard series, I want to see some better decision making. I expect to see some better decision making. But I also, Darren, think that it's something that he's going to have to develop in spring ball and fall camp and even into the early part of next year is just, knowing where to go with the football and getting it there accurately, precisely on time, all of those different things. That's the challenge for Mike Denbrock in developing this quarterback.
1: That's really good analysis there. And I go back to when Riley Leonard picked Notre Dame. The first thing that I said, this is a kid that has the ability to make all the throws. He can make them all, but – It's the consistency that separates him from other players. And like I said at the time, if he consistently made all the throws, he'd be in the NFL draft this year. So it's not like he's got a long way to go, but you mentioned his footwork is something that led to errant throws. I mean, that is extremely correctable, and I really like the coaching staff in place here to help him to get to a better level of consistency.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's Denbrock who I just mentioned, and it's also Gino Goduli who I think is going to be much more comfortable in his role in his second year at Notre Dame. Like I said, there was just a confluence of circumstances with this Notre Dame offense last year that didn't really allow anybody, players and coaches, to reach their full potential. And I'll, I'll even put Jared Parker in on that, because I think he was a scapegoat for a lot of the things that we saw last year, and, and he deserves a lot of the blame because he was the guy overseeing the entire operation, but There was just so many different things that kind of led to what we saw last year. But this year you have an experienced guy in Denbrock to oversee everything. Uh, You have Leonard who, like I said, has made 21 starts. And I get it. Sam Hartman was a 45 game starter coming in. But I think for some reason, the transition of Leonard from the Duke offense to the Notre Dame offense might be a little bit easier than Hartman from Wake Forest to the Notre Dame offense, just because, You know, the the slow mess isn't a thing that Riley Leonard had to deal with at Duke, and he he is that pro-style quarterback. We've mentioned the NFL draft a couple of times on here already. He is bound for that at some point. We don't know if Sam Hartman's name is going to get called at all. He might be an undrafted free agent. Whenever Riley Leonard does decide to go, somebody's going to take a chance on him, fourth, fifth, sixth round. And if he plays really well this year, Darren, it could be second, third round. Uh, who knows? Maybe he lights the world on fire. and We're talking about Riley Leonard as a first rounder. That's the kind of potential that he has. So I think he's in the right situation here. I think, you know, Goduli's in the right situation. Mike Denbrock, the re- receivers that Notre Dame has brought in. It could be just a cleaner overall unit in 2024.
1: If he's taken in the first round, that means Notre Dame is playing deep into January. I mean, with the roster they have, if you get that type of quarterback play, Tyler, this football team is set up for some great success. I know things have to fall into place along the offensive line. You still have to build chemistry between Leonard and the wide receiver. So it's not like this is fantasy football. You just write them on a piece of paper and it's all magically going to work because it didn't last year but with Mm -hmm. the parts in place and you have a quarterback playing at a higher level, to me, this has the makings of an exciting season, especially with the great coordinators you have now in place on both sides of the football. You don't feel like you're going to get beat schematically on the offensive side of the football this year.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And I have an article that went up blueandgold.com today, and it will be in the next edition of our Blue and Gold Illustrated magazine that's coming out in a few weeks. That's one of my biggest storylines. I did five storylines for Notre Dame football in 2024. Uh, Number one is just, can it all come together for Marcus Freeman? And I'm talking about in his first year, it was just the questionable losses. Like you can't lose to Marshall. You can't lose to Stanford. Last year it was not showing up on the road. And specifically to your point, the offense not showing up on the road. Like this year, Darren, I don't think Notre Dame should have those issues. You look at the schedule – Notre Dame's probably going to take care of business against all the teams that it should beat handily on the schedule, just like it did last year. And then you look at the road games. I mean, Texas A&M is going to be difficult in week one, but I expect and do think Notre Dame can win that game. And then I don't really see any other games on the schedule where I'm like, oh, no, the the offense is going to have a real tough time showing up there. Frankly, I didn't think Louisville would be like that, but it was. I did pick Clemson to beat Notre Dame, but that's just because we knew – what Notre Dame was, not showing up offensively against Ohio State and then not showing up against Louisville. My whole point is, here, Darren, is the potential for this, this team, it feels greater than last year because I look at the way everything sets up, and I think Notre Dame can, can really compete and or win all of these games. Like 11-1, and one, I thought last year was a pipe dream, even with Sam Hartman, and that turned out to be the case. It was a 9-3 and three football team. If you told me that a, Notre Dame could go 11-1 and one in 2024 – I would actually start believing it, but it all has to come together. Like I said, Marcus Freeman has to avoid some of the mistakes that he's made, and then the offense has to play a lot better too. But if if you told me that the defense this year is going to play as well as it did in 2023, and then the offense starts clicking, starting with the quarterback and everything funneling out around that, then, then, oh, yeah, I mean, this this team can make a 12-team playoff and then make some noise in that playoff.
1: I agree with everything you said. I'm going to add one more thing. Yesterday, watching the Lions game was a subtle reminder that game management can cost you. The Lions didn't lose because of Dan Campbell's game management. There were other things that happened as well. But you think about the Duke game last year. The Irish wanted to settle for the field goal. and estimate should have taken a knee inside the five-yard line. And then the Louisville game, going for it on fourth down with 10 minutes to go and and burning a timeout at a weird spot those type of things can derail all the other great things we're talking about. And this is easily fixed. It comes with experience. But as I was watching the Lions game, I thought about the Duke game. I thought about the Louisville game. I thought about 10 men on the field against Ohio State. There are things that can happen out of the player's control that sometimes can halt some great momentum. Mm
2: -hmm. And you know what I would say to that, Darren, is thank God Marcus Freeman has – Uh, I I don't know Mike Denbrock's age off the top of my head, but is he around 60 years old? Like, he's been doing this for a long time. And he's, quite frankly, he's worked with Brian Kelly, who's also around 60 years old, for a long time. And and that experience from both of those guys, both of those guys being in each other's ears for so long, that builds up some scar tissue, both good and bad. Sure, There's good things that have happened to those guys. There's bad things that have happened to those guys. They've learned from all of that. They've learned much more than Marcus Freeman has. And I think in some of those situations, which, by the way, uh, all of them that you described were on the offensive side of the ball because that's – and Dan Campbell last night, that's where you're making those types of clock management decisions, go-forward decisions, those types of things. I think it helps tremendously that Mike Denbrock is on the headset to face those types of situations.
1: He is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold, illustrated blueandgold.com. One more question centered around your – work you're doing on Riley Leonard right now I think your most recent piece was a dramatic matchup with Drake May who might be the number two pick in the draft this spring the quarterback out of North Carolina and Riley Leonard almost took him down early in his career
2: yeah absolutely this is Jack's so I've I've actually yet to read it I need to log on and read it right after this but it's kind of crazy that this is a game that Robert Leonard has in his back pocket. He can say, yeah, I, I went toe-to-toe with uh, Drake May, who's, who's going to be a top-five pick in the NFL draft, uh, presumably. And then I think in a couple of games, it, it might be my next one that I've got to do for tomorrow or, or maybe later on this week. Uh, there's a little shootout with one Sam Hartman and the Wayforce Forest Demon Deacons <laughs> uh, that, that was also a really high-scoring game. And uh, it, it really came down to quarterback play. And that one, if I, if I believe so... I think Duke ended up beating Hartman and Wake Forest in that game. So there's uh, another chip on the table for Riley Leonard right there. But yeah, just to your point, uh, he's played in some big time games. That that was the big uh, selling point for Notre Dame to get Hartman, right, was look at all of this experience. And Riley Leonard comes in with three years under his belt, and Sam Hartman had five. So I get it. Sam Hartman was more experienced. But you could do a lot in three seasons, and I think Riley Leonard did. I mean, for the – better part of those three seasons he was the starter he was a starter in 2022 and then last year with all the injuries and whatnot I mean when he was healthy he was the starter so he's got a lot of uh spades and whatnot and kind of like Hartman as well he's he's got some cards that you don't want to lay on the table and you don't want to flip over as well but that's the quarter that comes with quarterback play man you win some games lose some games um and he's definitely won more than he's lost
1: Tyler Horka, Jack Sobel, their pieces on Riley Leonard. Check them out at blueandgold.com. You cover the Irish women's basketball team. I got to be honest, I wasn't quite sure what we were going to get at UConn after Notre Dame could not beat Syracuse and ended up losing by double digits on their home floor, which I did not have on my bingo card, to be honest with you. So yeah. they go to UConn, yeah. and they put together a great finish to the game and win 82-67, to and... Let me tell you, Notre Dame has had some great players through the years. Before all is said and done, the freshman right now leading this team, she could be the best, Hannah Hidalgo.
2: I think she is going to be the best, Darren. And through 19 games of her career, what I keep telling everyone who asks me about this program is I think she's going to be the best player in women's college basketball next season because – Clayton Clark is leaving and Kayla Clark's probably going to be the back-to-back national player of the year. But if you look at some of these national articles from like ESPN and some other outlets to cover women's college basketball, they're mentioning Hannah Hidalgo next. Like it's Clayton Clark and she's doing all these things, scoring 40 and hitting all these threes and whatnot, and it's captivating. And then it's Hannah Hidalgo. And, And if Clark wasn't so established, I think it would be Hannah Hidalgo. So what she did in scoring 34 points, a Notre Dame freshman record, at Gamble Pavilion. And by the way, I saw a stat that 34 points is the most that any visiting player has scored at UConn in at least the last 15 seasons. And think of all hmm. the players and teams that have gone into that place to try to take down that program. And I get it. UConn hasn't won a national title since 2016. And they're not the cream of the crop in college, women's college basketball anymore. It's South Carolina and LSU won the national championship and all those different things. But I mean, as for as long as Gino Orim is the head coach of that program, and they're still bringing in players like Paige Buck, Buk- Bukers I'm sorry, and Aliyah Edwards, and all of these different players, like that, that is still a, a premier program, and it's very hard to go in there and beat that team. And Hannah Hidalgo, quite frankly, mm. made it look kind of easy. Notre Dame goes in there and wins by 15. And like you said, after losing to Syracuse at home by almost the same amount of points, 14 points, two nights prior. I did kind of expect Notre Dame to come out with a little fire and, and beat a, quite frankly, a beatable UConn team. That's four losses for UConn now this season. Notre Dame wasn't going to lay down, and here's the stat that told me so. In the last three seasons, Notre Dame has not lost back-to-back games. So wow. after that COVID year, the kind of wonky season that Neil Ivy had when they went 10-10 and 10 and missed the NCAA tournament for the first time in forever, in the last three years, Notre Dame has not lost consecutive games, not one time. They have not lost back-to-back games one time. And the streak lives on there. And they did it in the hardest place possible. Uh, Stores Connecticut.
1: Tyler, a head coach has a responsibility to protect their players, anything that's going on within the program. And it's also a player's right to keep information private, including injuries. And the Ivey, I, I said earlier, has been so great this year in handling all the questions about Olivia Miles and all the other injuries. And she's been very consistent she has not talked about those, and I think that's part of it. it has to do with that's the player's wishes. So now we find out on the Fox broadcast that Olivia Miles, after Neil's N- N- not been able to say anything all year, tells Fox that she's done for the year, and then on a night in which, Tyler, it should be all about Notre Dame beating UConn, y- she's got to answer in the postgame, well, Olivia Miles just said she's done for the year. I felt it was a little unfair. I'll just stop there. It should have been all about the Irish with this tremendous victory. What is your take on this whole situation that has been very unclear for a very long time?
2: It's been weird, Darren. And I cover Notre Dame women's basketball as closely as, closely as anyone, and I'm in these like, for example, we're going to talk to Niel Ivy on Wednesday before the Georgia Tech game, before they go down to Atlanta to play that game. That's a weekly thing. We talk to Niel every week. And it's been a weekly thing having to ask her about Olivia Miles' status and every single week from Niel, because like you said, you know, she's, she's trying to protect her player. And those are conversations that are being had behind closed doors as to why. But all she can come out and say is, you know, nothing's changed. We're not sure. Olivia's doing great. She's, she's in all her rehab and whatnot. I think, looking back on this, if this is a, and uh, we're not sure because we haven't been privy to this information, but if this is a decision that Olivia Miles came to early on, like I'm talking weeks ago, months ago, that she knew that she wasn't going to play this season, she's a very savvy uh, presence in a media, uh, press conference type situation. She could have said, you know what, I I, want to face the people who have been asking all these questions and tell them. You know, that I'm, I'm not playing this year, and let's just put this to rest. But, and like you said, Darren, let's make this about the 2023-2024 Notre Dame Fighting yes. Irish who are on the floor playing these games because I'm not going to be one of those players. I feel like that could have happened if this was a decision um, that was made a long time ago. But then quite frankly, I also feel like it's something that could have happened as, as late as last week. If she's going to go tell Gus Johnson of Fox, Hey, yeah, I'm out. This is it. In a can, what sounded like a candid conversation, you know, just kind of spitballing between them. Then she could have done the same thing and said, Hey, I, I want to tell these media folks who have been asking about me quite frankly for weeks and months that uh, that I'm not going to be playing this year. And I'm not complaining or anything. Like I'm not saying, Oh, I wish that would happen for us. At the end of the day, I still write the story whenever it comes out. But it was a weird type of situation. And, and honestly. I'm just kind of glad that it's over because now yes. for this final month of the regular yes. season and the, and then going into March, we can talk more about Hannah Hidalgo and Sonia Citrone and just what Notre Dame has in trying to advance along in a NCAA tournament because finally we know that Olivia Miles is not uh, a part of that group.
1: Well, I'm sure communication occurred between her and Neil, and that it might have been Olivia Olivia's wishes to keep it all quiet. And so Neil was doing that. But if she's going to tell mm-hmm. Gus Johnson, she's got to go to Coach Ivy. Coach, I just told Gus Johnson this, so yeah. however you want to handle it, please do so. S- that's where I kind of have a problem. The L should not be blindsided. By news, she probably already knew but wasn't allowed to pass along. That's where it's awkward. And this was a night in which we should be celebrating an Irish win mm-hmm. over UConn and – it kind of got put on the back burner because Olivia telling Gus Johnson this and not informing her head coach. It was a
2: very awkward press conference response when Notre Dame just gets this monumental victory and the head coach basically has nothing else to say. But no, I have not talked to Olivia about this yet. I'll go talk to her right now and, and see what she says. And then within 30 minutes, Darren, Notre Dame spokesperson uh, is confirming to some of these major outlets that cover Notre Dame on a regular basis. Hey, yeah, that, what did happen there on the Fox broadcast that is true. There, there was just a different way for this news to come out. And you know, what, you you'll, you'll learn from this. And I will say you have to start wondering in the era of the transfer portal and what Hannah Hidalgo is doing. If Notre Dame is in Olivia miles future, because It it might be kind of hard for those two guards, ball dominant. I mean, they are two leaders of uh, basketball teams to kind of coexist. But I will say this from a Notre Dame perspective, though, you absolutely want Olivia Miles to stay in blue and gold because as great as Hannah Hidalgo is, and like I said, I think she's going to be the best player in women's college basketball soon. Olivia Miles was Hannah Hidalgo before Hannah Hidalgo was Hannah Hidalgo. Like, that's how good she was the last couple of years. So if you can retain both of those players, uh, you're better for it as a basketball yeah. program for sure.
1: I just wish the head coach was not put on the spot like that. That didn't need to happen, yep. in my opinion. Yep. All right. What about the Irish going forward, the schedule? I mean, the ACC is kind of a mess right now. It's wide open. Uh, what does it look like coming up for the Irish winning opportunities? Quite a few coming up?
2: Yeah, definitely this week. Um, Notre Dame should come out of it with, with two victories and kind of put a little winning streak back together, especially on the ACC side of things. Uh, Because that's all it is from here on out. Ten regular season games left, which is crazy to think about. But uh, February is this week, and then March is right around the corner. So they should beat Georgia Tech. They should beat Pittsburgh. But then you kind of get into some tough games. You got Louisville uh, on the schedule there. NC State, Florida State's a good team. Virginia Tech at the end of the year. I think, like I said, of these ten remaining regular season games, four of them are against ranked opponents. You got Louisville twice, and Louisville – has been a bit of a bugaboo for Notre Dame, uh, especially the last handful of seasons when, when Notre Dame has you know, been trying to rebuild back to what they were previously. NC State is no slouch, uh, a top five team in the country. I believe they're number five in the most recent AP poll. So uh, the ACC is stacked. There's six ranked teams in this conference right now. Notre Dame is one of them. So you've got your winnable games. Um, the bottom of the standings are some teams that you can kind of feast on. But the top, you can't take a night off. Notre Dame's already seen that three times, losing to Syracuse twice and North Carolina on the home floor as well. So you have just got to get up. You've got to bring the same type of energy that Notre Dame brought into Gampel Pavilion the other night to every single ACC game that's against the upper echelon teams. Because if you take one step back and a night off, you will lose that game. So it's gettable. And I think Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the ACC, but, They've got to show it when they are playing the other best teams in the ACC because um, when they don't, they they can lose those games.
1: Tyler, what would you like to promote at blueandgold.com? Yeah,
2: there's a bunch of Hannah Hidalgo content on there right now. It seems like she's winning every award under the sun or under the clouds, as we'll say, in in South Bend. I don't think we've seen the sun for uh, a couple weeks now, but she's winning all kinds of awards. I'm right about it. We've got the Riley Leonard series going on. Um, I will plug on three's recruiting rankings just uh, were updated today and Notre Dame has a new five star in offensive lineman, Gerby Lambert in the class of 2024. So my colleagues, Mike Singer and uh, Kyle Kelly are all over that. So basketball recruiting, uh, football offseason coverage, we've got it all covered at blue and
1: He is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, blue and gold illustrated blue and He joins me every Monday to talk Notre Dame football, a little women's basketball as well. Tyler, really appreciate your time and your content, and we will talk to you next week.
2: All right, thanks, Darren.
1: Thank Back you, sir. That. You bet. Tyler Horka, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Blueandgold.com. It is three minutes in front of six o'clock on your Home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass, Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers. All made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious At Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.